guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Guys, thank you for being here tonight on this Wednesday evening. I have, I have a bit of a secret to tell you, okay? I know. A secret. Ayo, look at my slides, they're working. All right, I have a little bit of a secret here to tell you, okay? Um, it's been happening, it's been secretly happening over the past, like, month, okay? Do you know what's been happening over the past month, secretly? You guys haven't even noticed? We've been secretly in a series. Uh-oh, what series, you may ask? Well, let me give you a couple hints. Uh, Mandy talked about the Trinity, something very, I don't know, um, basic. Andy talked about giving. I don't know, something a little basic. Um, basic. Amanda, she talked about communion. That's another basic part of our faith. I talked about um, the gospel and how to share with people. Another basic part of our faith, a part of being a Jesus follower, right? Guess what, guys? We've secretly been in the basic series this whole time. Nobody even knew. So, wow, incredible. Well, he did like three seconds ago. That doesn't count. The whole time, we have secretly been in the basic series, which is really great because I think that the basics are incredibly underrated. Like, let's take a look at music here, okay? The basics are underrated. Let's take a look at music. Underrated. Underrated. The basics are so important. When I first started learning how to play the drums, I didn't know the basics at all. Like, not even a little tiny bit. So I, I, I was going to take a drum lesson, right? And me, myself, I was eight, and I was like, you know what? I've been listening to so much DC talk, and... I knew how to play the song from That Thing You Do. So I was like, I am the most doing that thing you do. Yeah, I was the most incredible drummer and I knew it. Like in my heart of hearts, I knew I was incredible. So I was gonna go into this practice for the first time, talk to this guy and be like, you don't really have that much to teach me. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna play the most incredible beat, which was literally just like boom, to to boom, to boom, boom. But I thought I was like, that's gonna be incredible. So I get to my lesson. I walk in, the guy's like, hello, how are you doing? Um, we're, just why don't you play something for me so we can like, you know, assess where you are and then we can figure out where to go from here. So I sit down, I pick up the sticks and I'm about to hit that snare drum because I know, I'm like, this is about to be the most incredible moment of my entire life. This guy's gonna ask for tips from me. And right before I hit the snare drum, he stops me and he looks at me and he goes, all right, so we have to start with the basics. Here's how to hold your sticks. Guys, an L, a huge L for me because I wasn't even holding my sticks correctly. I legitimately was not holding my sticks correctly. I needed... The basics, the basics are completely underrated. And they're super important, and they're underrated for a couple of reasons. Number one, without a firm understanding of the basics, you will only be able to go so far. Eventually, the way I was holding my sticks would have like impacted the way I played, so I wouldn't have been able to do like double stroke rolls or like any of those things, like complicated drum stuff, wouldn't have been able to do because I was holding my sticks wrong. I didn't have the basics right. Number two reason why I think the basic, most basics are underrated is that things that are confusing and weird often aren't confusing and weird once we understand the basics of where they came from, right? So like seven, eight time signatures and like five, like, you know, like paradiddles, all that stuff feels confusing at first. You know, like it feels confusing and then you get the basics and then you understand, oh, it's really not that confusing. It's not that weird. It's not that difficult. And number three, why I think the basics are underrated and why we should be going over them all the time is because we are forgetful, right? Like if I focus on only doing the most complicated things, Eventually, I'm gonna forget how to do the basic things and I'm gonna become a worse drummer for it, which is why you practice the basics and you go through the basics all the time. Every time you sit down to practice, you're supposed to start with a single, double, triple, like 
everything, the basics over and over and again, because the basics are important and they are underrated. So tonight, we're going to learn about the basics of something. We're going to learn about the basics of worship, which I think I already put up there, and we're going to ask three questions. We're going to ask why, we're going to ask when, and we're going to ask how when it comes to worship. Three, three word series, dude, yeah. Why, when, and how about worship. But before we do that, let's just pray real quick. Dear Jesus, help us to focus in on you tonight. Help us to learn something about worship. Um, help us to learn something new about worship. Even though it's just the basics that we're going over, you reveal something new to us every time we look into your word. So be with us tonight. Holy Spirit, be with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let's start with that first question, the why question, okay? It's the question I ask myself the most. Why? Why do we worship? What's the, why, do, why do we worship? We worship because God deserves it. That is why we worship. We worship because he deserves it. So let's, you know, dive into that a little bit. What does the word worship even mean? Like, why are we doing this? Why do we worship because God deserves it? What's going on with this word? Well, the word worship, according to the official Google definition, uh, means feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, feeling of expression, you know, reverence, adoration for a deity. This makes sense. Um, reverence means to give honor and deep respect and like adoration. Um, it means to show great love or respect. And there are a lot of words we use for worship. So we say like worship, praise, honor, glory, adoration. All of these things are just different ways of saying worship, right? These are just showing affection to God, showing love to God. It's all saying to show special love, respect, and to be thankful to him. So let's think about who God is, okay? Let's just think about who is God. Close your eyes with me, and let's, let's do this real quick. So everyone, close your eyes. And let's think about who God is. Okay, let's think about ourselves. Let's think about who we are as people right now. God created you. Now picture everyone around you. Crazy, right? All these bodies and people and minds. God created those too, right? Think about now what's outside of this building, right? We have these huge mountains around us all the time. We have this valley that we live in. God created that, and he is bigger than that. Think about the entire earth, right? So we have... There's like rivers and seas and mountains and volcanoes and the earth is crazy, right? Picture the whole earth. God created that and he is bigger and greater than that. Think about, you know, those pictures from the web telescope, the size of the galaxy, the size of the universe. So scary, but God is bigger than that. He is greater than that. He created those things. He's bigger than anything we can even imagine. He's above all. He is outside of time and space. He is all-powerful. He is everywhere all the time. He is love. He is goodness. He is Lord of everything. He is holy and righteous. He is the first and the last, the beginning of all things and the end of all things. He is the one true God. And for those reasons alone, he deserves worship, right? He deserves worship. So why do we worship? Because he deserves it. But he adds in a couple bonuses, right? Because that's, if that's all there was, we would have to worship God still because he deserves it, because he is above all and he is bigger than anything we can ask or imagine. He created everything. But on top of that, he cares enough about each one of us to give us good things when we ask, to be with us when we're in pain. He helps us through situations where we won't be able to handle it on our own. He was willing to send his son down to die on a cross so that we can have a relationship with him. God is worthy and deserving of worship just by who he is. And then also what he has done for us and what he is going to do for us is an extra bonus, an extra little bonus reason why he is worthy and deserving of our worship and of our honor and of our praise. So why do we worship? Because he deserves it. 
Here's the problem. The problem is that we are forgetful, right? I've talked about this before. We are forgetful people. I forget all the time. Like, God deserves to be worshipped, but I often forget that. It's a really easy thing to do. And we're not the only people, okay? The Bible is filled with people that are super forgetful. One group of people in particular are God's chosen people. He's like, yo, you're going to be my people. And they forgot all the time that God was worthy to be praised and to, to be trusted. Um, let's go back to Exodus, okay? So God's people, right? He chooses these people. He's like, through you, I'm going to save everyone. Through you, I'm going to do all this cool stuff. And then they end up in Egypt in slavery. Not great, right? So not a great situation for the people of, of God. They're living in slavery. Um, it's really bad. Babies are dying. They're building the pyramids. I, who knows what's going on? According to the movie I watched once, they're building the pyramids. I don't know. There's a lot happening there. So they're like, hey, God, get us out of here. And God's like, good idea. So he sends a guy named Moses. Moses goes in and he goes to Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt. And he's like, yo, you got to let these people go. You, you don't have slaves. And Pharaoh was like, no. no. And God looked down and said, bet. And so then God sent a bunch of plagues, right? So he's like, yo, I'm going to show you that you should let these people go because I am worthy and deserving of praise. I am bigger than anything you can imagine. So God was like, I'm about to send these plagues. So he's like, blood water, many bugs, bunch of frogs, crazy darkness, sickness, hail, just a crazy amount of miracles, you know, like a crazy amount of miracles, a crazy amount of miraculous power shown by God. And then finally, at the very end, God's like, all right, fam, we're doing this, the big one. God then sends an angel of death. Yeah, angel of death. If that's not the most metal thing you've ever heard, the Bible is so cool. The most metal thing, the angel of death. God sends the angel of death into Egypt, and he kills all the firstborn Egyptians. Now, let me tell you something. Rough. Yeah, tough, right? Tough look for God there. But remember, the Egyptian people were oppressing a whole group of people, millions of people. They were enslaving them. They were literally killing their babies. Um, so they were not great people. So let's just all remember, they are not great people. So yeah, God did this. And then Pharaoh was like, all right, I guess I'm going to let these people go. So the people of God, they leave, and they're, they're out on their way. And then they immediately forget that God is worthy, that God is all-powerful, that God is miraculous. They immediately forget. They're like, oh, what are we going to do out here? And God's like, I'm going to give you some food from the sky. And they're like, oh, I guess. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do again? Over and over again, they forget. At one point, they even make like a golden calf. And they're like, you know what? This golden cow that we just made is definitely more powerful than the God that did all those cool things in Egypt. Like, definitely this guy's cooler, right? So then they start worshiping that. Like, they literally forget so fast. And so do I. And I bet so do you a little bit, right? Admit it. We all forget sometimes. Well, God had this plan. So they were going into the promised land, which is where, you know, God's like, hey, I have this promised land for you. So they're like, okay, let's go. So eventually they get there a long time after they were supposed to because they kept forgetting where they were going, what they were doing. So eventually, they get to the promised land, and they're about to enter, but uh-oh, huge river, and they didn't really have any boats. So they were going to cross the river, but what are you going to do? So God's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm about to let you cross. He's like, start walking into the river. So they start walking into the river, and God straight up like Moana style parts the water so that they can walk through on dry land. So God parts the water. They walk through this river on dry land, and as they're walking across... God tells this guy named Josh, he's like, yo, Josh, um, I need you to grab 12 big stones from the middle of this river, right? So the middle of the river, these stones are going to be smooth. They're going to look different than everything else around them because they're from the bottom of the river where no one ever sees them. So they pull out these huge stones and they take them and set them up in their camp. And this is what um, God has to say about those stones. It's Joshua 4. He says, in the future, your children will ask you, what do those stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. 
These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So God had them pull out those stones and place them in the middle of their camp so they can look at them and they can be reminded over and over again that God is worthy and deserves to be worshipped. Now God might not have moved water in your life, but I know that he has saved you from sin and death. And I'm sure there have been times where you felt upset or you felt panicked, um, but then the peace of God came over you. Or you lost a friend that you thought you'd have forever, or your parents started fighting, um, or you got moved to a different school, and things felt like they weren't going to be okay again. But then God helped you through it and made things okay again, because that's what he loves to do. God fills us with hope when it doesn't make any sense. So I don't know exactly what your relationship with God looks like or your full story, but I do know that if you look closely at your life, you're going to find something that he has done for you that you can be thankful for. If you woke up with breath in your lungs today, it's a miracle and another reason why he deserves to be worshipped and praised. None of it's by accident. The universe works this way because of God and the way he set things up. I don't know about you, but I don't have huge rocks in my backyard that are just standing there and be like, I remember you, That's, God did that really cool thing because there's huge rocks back there. But I do have a worship playlist filled with songs that remind me of the good things that God has done. And as I worship and as I sing these songs, I'm reminded over and over again of what he's done and that he is deserving of worship. That is part of why we worship. It's because God deserves it. But then a little bonus thing he does for us because he loves to add in bonuses is that it helps us to remind he helps us to remind us and know what, he, like what he's done for us. It helps us to remember all that he's done. That is a big part of why we worship, is to remember, and then as we remember, we praise more. And as we praise more, we remember more, and God reveals more, and it's a cycle of adding on top of each other. And it's very fun and kind of the best. So, why do we worship? Because God deserves it. What's the next question? Does anyone remember? When. So true. When? When do we worship? Guys, all the time. When do we worship is all the time. So let's look at this. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says this. Joy, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. All right, seems pretty straightforward to me. It seems like we should be uh, worshiping all the time, right? So why do we worship? Because God deserves it. When do we worship? Um, all the time. And you know what? It's easy to say, like, let's worship all the time. And I've heard a couple things about, like, worshiping all the time. Number one, I've heard it say that it is easy to worship when things are bad because there's, like, nowhere else to go, right? It's like, things are really bad, so, like, I'm going to worship. I'm going to focus in on God right now because where else can I go? And then when things get good, it's easy to be distracted, right? It's like, oh, things are fine. Why do I need God? Why do I need to worship God right now? Like, he's not going to do anything for me. But I've also heard the opposite, that it's hard to worship when things are bad because you're like, where is God? You're asking those questions, like, where is he? Why are things broken here on earth? And then when things are good, you're like, yeah, rejoicing time. Life is looking good. And you know what that tells me? That those, Because those two things feel very true to me. I felt both of them. That it's just kind of hard to worship at all times, right? At all times, it feels hard to worship. At all times, it feels difficult to be like, let's, let's do this thing. Let's worship. Um, which is just true. So we should worship all the time, but it's hard to worship all the time. Now, let me tell you a little story about this famous guy in the Bible. His name is Paul. He is awesome. He is a missionary. He goes around talking to people about Jesus. Like when the early church was just start, starting, just a couple of Jesus followers around, he's like, this is how it's going to go. The Holy Spirit uses him to write a bunch of books in the Old Testament, uh, New Testament, sorry, 
Oof, they are letters. So he writes a bunch of letters to churches, and they make up most of our New Testament. So that's who Paul is. And he says in one of those letters, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, Derek, can you fix that for me real quick? Derek! <laughs> um, I'm on Philippians 4.13. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, now, I bet most of you have heard this verse before, right? Most of you have heard this verse before. It is on your grandma's wall. It is on a pillow in your house. It's on a mug. It is everywhere. <laughs> um, it is everywhere in your house, right? And like, it is like white women's Instagram accounts. Like, it is everywhere, right? And we hear people say this all the time. Like, oh, I'm, they, and like what, what they think it means is that like, I can do everything because Jesus is going to give me strength. Like, I'm washing dishes and I'm getting tired of washing dishes, but I can do it because God gives me strength. Or like, I've had, you know, too many kids. I'm sleepy. And like, oh, I can do all things through Christ. Or like, there's no cold brew at Starbucks, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? That's how we hear this verse. But what's important about the Bible is that context. As you can tell, we're going to go back and read a couple more verses. So there's, there's context, right? So never read just one verse and assume, hey, this is what it's all about. Always put that verse into context because the context can change things. So yes, it is true that through Jesus you can do all things and that he's going to give you strength to accomplish all things. But this verse in particular is not talking about that. So let's, let's read the couple of verses before it. So he says this. Paul is saying this. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul is saying that he knows what it's like to live with a lot and what it's like to live with a little bit, but to still be content and to still worship in both of those, both those things. He knows what it's like to be on a mountaintop with money in his pocket, real money, and then to be left by all of his friends, beaten, shipwrecked, and left to die. And in both those, he knows, I am content to worship God. Part of the strength like, and he gets part of his strength because he continues worshiping through these situations, right? As we worship God through those situations, we're going to get more strength to continue worshiping God in these situations. It always builds, right? As your relationship grows with Jesus, it's going to build, and you're going to get to know him more, and the more you get to know him, the more you're going to want to get to know him, right? The more you're going to want to worship him. So it's this building situation. Yeah, so there's proof of this. It's not just him saying this and being like, figure it out, guys. There's some proof of this, okay? So there's a story happened in the book of Acts, where Paul, you know, Paul we're just talking about who wrote this, and his friend Silas are chilling, they're hanging out, they're going to church, and they come across a demon-possessed girl, and they're like, yo, not great. You know, they're like, hmm, probably not great, not spooky season, so time to, you know, get this demon out of here. So they cast out the demon. What can go wrong, you may ask? What a great question. Um, it doesn't feel like anything, except, fun little fact, the demon-possessed girl was actually a slave, and her owners were using her to tell the future and make a bunch of money. So her owners were like upset that she could no longer tell the future and they were not making any money um, because people get mad when they can't make money. So they're like, all right, we're going to take this Paul and Silas guy to the authorities. And so they take him to the authorities and they straight up lie. They're like, so these guys were out here starting riots in the streets. And the police were like, oh my, we can't have that. So then they put him in prison and they beat him up and they literally just put them in, the, in prison in stocks and they're just like chained up against a wall. Now, if this were me, I would be screaming and crying and throwing up because I hate, <laughs> I, I hate all of that. I don't like getting hurt. I don't like prison. I've never been there and I don't want to know what it's like. You know, like I, 
I don't, I don't like any of that. So pass on all those things, right? So I would not, I would not necessarily be handling this the best way. I would definitely just be sobbing in my cell. But this is what it says in the book of Acts, what Paul and Silas were doing in the middle of this. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and all the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul was worshiping right through the bad times. He was worshiping, which means there's some proof that we can worship in all circumstances, when things are good and where things are bad. We can worship all the time, just like Paul did. When we don't feel like it, because God is always worthy and he is always to be praised. So why do we worship? Because God deserves it, right? When do we worship? Say it with me. All the time. Right, 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 right. So what is the next question? How? So true. So how? We know why we're worshiping. We know when we're going to worship. But how do we worship? Next slide, please. I'm giving up on this, Derek. Just keep up with me, okay? So, it's fine. Who needs slides? How? There it is, guys. What? Wow. How? How do we worship? Okay, the answer to this is in spirit and in truth. That's the next slide. You'll see it eventually. Um, <laughs> worship can be overwhelming, and we can easily fall into a pattern of just trying to repeat what the people around us are doing, trying to um, repeat advanced things about worship without actually understanding the basics, right? Sometimes we fall into situations where it's like, I want to try to play this complicated beat before I understand what's going on with my hands, right? Sometimes that happens. I get it. I have been there. I've been in that situation before. But thankfully, Jesus gives us an insight on the basics of worship. So he says this in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here right now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So how we worship is in spirit and truth. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. In spirit, what does it mean to worship in spirit? Well, I believe that it's just not all physical, right? To worship in spirit means it's something other than just the physical happening. It's something more than just what's going on around us in our bodies and in this room right here. There's something more to it. There's an added element. We as Jesus followers completely believe this, right? We believe in the spiritual. We believe that we are more than just a body, right? There's something else to us. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. That is what, like when we die, our spirit leaves our body, right? So we believe in the spirit realm. We believe in things like that as Jesus followers. So when we worship, it's more than just the words we're saying in the room, there's something happening in the spiritual. There's something happening beyond what our physical eyes can see. And part of that is focusing our mind, our body, and our spirit on God, on who he is and what he's done for us. So how we work is, worship is we have focused gratitude, love, and respect for God. That is worship. And we have to realize that when we're doing that, it's not just a physical thing. It's, there's something happening in the spirit. Because when we worship, we are giving the Holy Spirit permission to move in our hearts, our lives, and to change who we are on the inside, right? To change who we are as people. That's what we're doing when we worship. We're opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to come in and change who we are. 
As we worship God, he's going to come down and be with us because that's how it works, right? We're two or three are gathered together. He's going to be here with us. As we sing our praises, he's going to come down and he's going to pour into your life. He's going to change you for the better, I promise. It sounds scary, but it's for the better, I promise. Um, I know for a fact that I felt this multiple times during worship times, and I know some of you in this room have also felt it. Like there's something different when you, a difference between singing just a random song and then singing a worship song, you can feel it, right? You can feel it inside. You can feel the difference. Now, most of our worship songs are either directly thanking God or helping us to remember what God has done for us or how powerful he is or how worthy of worship he is. All of these songs will push us to focus our thankfulness and respect to God. So when we focus in on God, he focuses right back. And as we pour out our love on him, he'll pour it right back. And it reminds us of who he is. As we worship, things change. As we worship, God breaks down walls that we put up and he impacts our lives in ways that we can only imagine. This is all part of worshiping in the spirit. It's more than just the physical. So how do we worship in truth, right? Because it's spirit and truth. So what does it mean to worship in truth? Well, for me, this means being truthful, being authentic, being genuine in my worship. It means that I'm actually going to be focused on God during this time and that everything I do is actually about him. It means you aren't just reading the words off the screen. You aren't worried what the other people around you are going to think. You are just worshiping and reacting in genuine worship. doesn't matter what's going on around you. Here's where we're going to get into stuff that happens all the time in worship services, okay? Some things that you may be seeing, and you may be asking, like, yo, what's going on? Like, why are people dancing on the stage? Why are people raising their hands? Why are they crying? Why are they closing their eyes? Why are they doing this thing? You know this one? You know what I'm talking about? They're doing this one? Why are they doing that? What is going on? Well, they are genuinely worshiping. So, it is all part of truthful worship. People raise their hands as a surrender to God. As you're worshiping God and you're having an encounter with God, you sur you're surrendering yourself to him. You're saying, Holy Spirit, come move in my life. I'm open to you doing something new inside of me. And when you raise your hand, that's a sign of that, right? It is a physical outward sign of something that's happening inside of you. That is what's going on in most of the situations. So when someone gets up and they start dancing around, it is because they have joy inside of them. The Holy Spirit is bubbling up that joy inside of their spirit and they can't help but dance. It is a physical reaction to what's going on on the inside. And when you don't think about the people around you, when you're not worried what your friends are thinking or what the girl next to you is thinking or what the drummer is doing or what the piano player is doing, and you let yourself genuinely and truthfully react in a natural way to what God is doing, and when you're in worship, things like that are going to happen. Your hands are going to go up. You're going to dance because he's going to move in your spirit. And sometimes when he moves in your spirit, things are going to happen. You're going to look weird for a second, but who cares? David, King David, literally danced so hard that he was just naked for a second. He was like, well, my clothes fell off, and he didn't care. <laughs> Crazy, right? He just didn't care. Now, keep your clothes on. Rule number one, keep your clothes on. I don't care. I, will, I know for a fact that if you're taking off your clothes, it's not the Holy Spirit. Um, but who cares about what's going on around you? Worship is about focused time with Jesus, focused time with God. No one else around you matters. People will often kneel, they'll bow down in a sign of respect. When you see the queen, you know, RIP, see the queen. Um, I guess it's the king now. Whenever you go see, the, when you see the king, it's, it's an honor thing that you bow down to them. You kneel. So why would we not do that for the king of kings? The one who reigns over everything. 
a God who will eventually make everything good. He is worthy and deserving of our worship. We gotta worship all the time. We gotta worship in spirit and in truth. I know like a bunch of people and myself, when I go to concerts, I react in crazy ways. There's like something about the music, there's something about the people on stage where I'm just reacting. Don't, let, just don't stop yourself from reacting in a way that the Holy Spirit is going to move you. Don't think about the people around you. Just do. Just be genuine. Be truthful. And for some people, that might mean sitting still. That might mean being quiet and reverent before God. There are going to be times when it's like that, where God's going to move in your heart and you're just going to be overwhelmed by the majesty of God, right? How big he is, how worthy he is, how glorious he is. And you're going to feel overwhelmed by that and you're just going to sit in reverence of him. Sometimes you're going to be filled with joy like I talked about in Thanksgiving you're going to dance around. Whatever is going on in your spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, react genuinely. That is how we worship in spirit and in truth. Now, one last note on worship and this one's going to be tough for some people in this room. So how do we worship in spirit and in truth? But there's a little extra thing. A bunch of times in the Bible, it commands us and tells us that when we worship, we have to sing. It doesn't say that we have to sing good. It doesn't say that we have to, you know, harmonize. It doesn't say any of that. But it does say that we have to sing, which feels weird, right? But I'll, I'll prove it to you. There's a couple of verses. Let's, let's look at these verses real quick. So uh, Colossians 3.16 says, let the message about Christ in all its richest richness fill your lives and teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Psalms 105 says, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wondrous acts. Psalm 98 says this, sing to the Lord a new song, for he does marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Now notice again, those verses don't say you got to sing well, but they, they do say you have to sing, which for some people is going to be tough, but I believe that you can do it. Just sing out. No one cares. Remember, we're not caring what people think around us because we're focused in on God in our times of worship, and we're singing. And here's a fun little fact. You may be thinking like, why is God making me do this? Why does God want me to sing? Well, every single time I've ever looked into something like, why does God want me to do this? It feels unreasonable. It's usually for my benefit. <laughs> it's what I find out in the end. Oh, it was because you love me and you want good things for me. Fun little fact for you. When you sing, when you verbally sing out loud worship music, it activates a part of your brain that quiets anxiety. It activates a part of your brain that will keep you calm. So as we sing, God's calming us. And he said, sing because I know it's going to help you stay calm. As we sing, the Holy Spirit's coming into our life, and he's giving us patience and peace and joy and hope. As we sing to him. So, it's about singing, which is tough, I understand. So why do we worship? Because God deserves it. When do we worship? All the time. How do we worship? In spirit, in truth, and in song. So I'm going to challenge you with something tonight. There's always parts of music when we sing where it's just instrumental, right? There's just like, oh, what's happening here? It's just, there's just music happening. There's no words. In those moments, let your words come out. Let the words that you want to speak to God come out of you. It doesn't have to be a song. It doesn't have to sound good. But let the Holy Spirit work inside of you and let the words of gratitude come out of you. 
If you don't have those words, go to Psalms. The Bible is filled with praise songs. Open up your Bible. Read the Psalms out loud as, as worship. You can do that. That's completely fine, and that is worship. Open up that Bible, open up Psalms, and as you read Psalms, that is worship. Put some music on. So we are going to go into a time of worship tonight. And we are going to encounter God again. We're going to push in. We're going to push past our comfort zones. We're going to, we're going to push into places that we haven't pushed into before with Jesus. We're going to make ourselves a little uncomfortable. Maybe you need to move to the back. Maybe you need to move to the front. Maybe you know the person next to you is going to distract you. So you're like, I got to put myself in a different place. Whatever you need to do to worship God in spirit and in truth, do that tonight. Because the God of the universe is here and he's willing to spend time with you. Willing to take your sorrow and trade it for joy. Willing to take your panic and trade it for peace. Willing to heal any brokenness inside of you. I'm going to read a psalm and then we're going to go into worship. Okay, so this, this is a great psalm. So if you're like, what words do I say? Look up the psalm. This is Psalm 95. It says this in Psalm 95. And after I'm done here, we are going to worship. So everybody stand up with me. And again, go where you need to go if you need to get away from people. Because we're going to enter into this time and the Holy Spirit is going to move. If you let him, he's going to change your life. Because every single time we encounter God, he will change something inside of us. And every single time we worship, it is an opportunity to encounter God. With focused love, focused respect, Focus adoration towards him. All right, so this is Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest of mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. We are the people that he watches over, the flock underneath his care. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.